God's heart. And, oh, that we would listen to his voice way back in Deuteronomy. Uh, that's his heart. That's why he wants us to have a relationship with him, not to be a bunch of people that just obey law, but we obey his spirit and we listen to what he has to say. So here they are, same thing, same place, different generation going around the mountain again. Well, Gideon um, is beating out wheat in the wine press to try to save some of it from these Midianites so they'd have some. And um, so the angel of the Lord comes and hails him as a valiant warrior. And he then says, complains because, well, if God is with us, why is all this stuff happening? And basically, the angel of the Lord says, well, go do something about it. Go, go in your own strength and do something about it. And, of course, you know, Gideon, like a lot of us, says, well, I don't have any influence. I'm just a, from a small tribe, and I'm the youngest one. And God says, surely I am with you. So, you know, this is the beginning of the signs he asked for. So he goes out and says, look, can you just hang here under the tree and let me go prepare an offering just to make sure it's really you. And so he goes and he, he bakes bread, he makes porridge, and he kills a kid. Now, this kind of hit me this morning as I was rereading this passage. They got a little lamb. Now, seven years, they ain't got anything. You know, all their, all their flocks have been scattered year after year. Their livestock, but here's a lamb. And he kills it as an offering and takes it. And, and of course, the angel of the Lord consumes that offering, and, and he then realizes he's been before the Lord himself. And he builds an altar, and he names that order, altar, the Lord is peace. Now, this is interesting. It's, this is really, it's called an illusion. He names the altar, the Lord is peace. But what he is really referring to is God himself. And he says, God is peace. Now think about the situation. He didn't know that the next year the same thing wasn't going to happen. Here he is in the midst of a time when the Midianites for the seventh year in a row have destroyed their crops. Nothing's changed at all except God said, surely I am with you. And all of a sudden, he says, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Realizing that, he immediately gets the commission. Go pull down your dad's bales. I mean, how many people would like to do that? Go against your dad, the thing that he serves and worships, and get rid of it. Now, something happened in Gideon. God was with him, and he said, okay, God is with me. God is my high tower, and it's a mobile tower because I'm going somewhere. I don't have to just stay here under this tree. I'm going to go do what he's called me to do, and so it's really interesting because in Proverbs, I think it's 18.10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
and the righteous run to it and are saved. Gideon, nothing had changed. He gets this call. Go against your dad. So God has now become his high tower. And he knows he must be in favor with the God, with God, because he wasn't destroyed when he stood before him. So there's a confidence there. You know, it's the names of God that tell us what the character of God is. And that's one of the things that, you know, today I really I really trust that we lay hold of because all the names of God are not necessarily proven experientially for all of us, are they? But we know it's who he is. And so when we run into places of difficulty, times of discipline, what do we hope in? We hope in his character, don't we? Because we don't understand why this is happening, why I'm being singled out for this particular type of uh, punishment or why I'm being, why people have been prejudiced against me, or why I'm sick, or whatever the thing is. In that moment, experientially, we're kind of wondering, okay, God, but we know who he is, right? We know, we know what his character is. And so that hope and trust in what his character is, that's our refuge in times of difficulty, isn't it? That's how we get through is in those particular places. Um, you know, when we go through life, stuff happens, doesn't it? Sometimes it's because of our own sin. Sometimes it's because of other people's sin. And you know, sometimes it's just because God wants to use a situation to glorify himself. May not have anything to do with us, you know. Um, but whoever is called his, he disciplines. It's just the way it is. It's only through trials that we become stronger. I mean, it's just the way the Lord works. It says in Hebrews, it says um, in verse, in Hebrews 12, 6, it says, for the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone, everyone whom he loves. Well, bring it on. I want to be loved, right? I want, you want to know. I mean, he was calling us to that kind of place. And he continues in, in verse 10 and 11. It says, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, no amens on that. It doesn't seem joyful, does it? But sorrowful, yet those who have been trained, those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields some kind of fruit. Does anybody remember what the verse says? Peaceable fruit of righteousness. I'm in right standing with God. There's a peace in that, right? Um. And then if we can go back, I'll pick up where Cecil was talking about in John 14. You know, he was getting ready to leave his disciples, and he says, don't be troubled. I'm going away. 
strands are returned. And, you know, it's interesting because he says that, and then, I don't know, maybe 15 verses later, um, he says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let your heart not be afraid. Why did, why did the people in the Judges' days serve the Baals? Were they fearful of those gods, those gods that weren't gods? So they did whatever it took to please them? God said, don't fear the gods of the Amorites. So why do you think God hated that when they did that? They didn't trust people. They didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. God is God. And, you know, it's interesting in this whole passage from the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapters of John, Jesus says, these words I speak, and then he gives a reason he speaks those words uh, over and over in, the, in these two chapters. He says, these words I speak, and then he gives a purpose. Uh, just like in 14, John 14, 25, he says, these words I speak while abiding with you. And then he says, but I'm sending a helper. I'm sending somebody to help you after I'm gone. He says in verse John 15, 11, these words I speak that you may have joy and that your joy may be full. He says in John 16, 1, these words I speak that you may be kept from stumbling. And then the last explanation is these words I speak in John 16:33, which is the one that, that Cecil said, these things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Take courage. I have overcome the world. You know, it's interesting that Jesus was facing being crucified. And he says to his disciples, he's in this place. He knows what's ahead of him. He says, I want to give you peace. Now, how much peace do you think you have to give in that situation? I'm going to leave you with peace. I'm going to give you my peace. Isn't this just incredible? Who he was, he knew who he was, he knew where he'd come from, and he knew where he was going. Um, so there's a peace that we can have that transcends this world, a peace about our salvation, because we believe. But God gives a peace, he wants us to have a peace for now, every day. And that peace is given to disciples. He promises that to his disciples. I can't believe he wouldn't also desire that peace for those of us today that would also want to be his disciples. So Jesus lays out the road of discipleship in um, Luke 14. And 14, 25 through 35. He said, if you want to be a disciple, here's what you got to do. 
love God above all, above any other relationship. Love God. If you want to be a disciple, count the cost. Count the cost. You're going to have to learn to live by a different value system than the world is offering you. And then he lists one more thing, which I'm going to read that. It's Luke um, 14.33, which is interesting. It says, Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming with 20,000? Or else... While the other is still on the far away, he sends a delegation and asks, um, what's the terms for peace? Think about that. What's the terms for peace between you and the king of the universe? He's got a lot more than 20,000 people, and you're just one. What's the terms of peace? Father, what's the terms of peace? Um, you know, it goes on in the very next verse and says what that is. No one can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. You know, what does that mean? To have a big yard sale? What does it mean? The terms of peace is surrender. You know, I, I can't remember the name of the song, but it says, the, one of the words in it says, all I am and ever hope to be, I, I owe it all to you, to God be the glory. You know, we got, you can all also say, all that I have and ever hope to obtain, I owe it all, all up to him. He is the one that gives the power to earn wealth. Says so right in Deuteronomy. Um, so we're, we, Part of that mindset shift is, I'm just a steward. What, what I've got, I'm just a steward. And whenever you need it, master, it's yours. You know, whether it's me as an individual, my family, or us as a church, you know, we're talking about this money we've got. Um, but it's interesting, I was listening to the radio two or three weeks ago, and Chuck Swindoll was saying that late in life, Corey Ten Boom came to his church and they had a private time together. And, you know, she's a little bitty thing. She, he said, she just looked up to me and she said, Chuck, you got to learn to hold all things in your hand loosely. You know, think about the lady who said that. Her family, everything she had, and every uh, reputation, affluence, it's all for stewardship for the Lord. Um, I... You know, I, I, I want to do that every day. It's like, okay, God, I'm yours, and all that I have is yours. But then if he asks for something, it's like, well, now? You know, choose you instead of this person at this point? You know, love him above all. Have the right value system and hold loosely the things he's given us. Surrender. There's so much peace in that because guess what? He's overcome the world. 
Do you really believe that? All the things of the world. Whatever the situation that you or I find ourselves in that disturbs the peace that he wants for us now. Our circumstances or things that... How much, how much do we lose sleep over of things that might be? What if? How does that happen? God's overcome the world. Is he really sovereign over everything? There's a great peace if you lay hold of that. You know, that's the kind of peace that he wants to give us. Not just when we stand before him, but we have a peace that we're in good standing with Jesus beside us. But it's this peace as we walk day after day with us. You know, the Lord is peace is what Gideon said. But the name he gave the altar was Yahweh Shalom. That's the name he gave that altar in the midst of being trampled by the Midianites. And so, you know, the Jews really have something when they greet one another, Shalom. What does the word mean? Hey, buddy. It means wholeness. It means to be complete. If you're complete, you got to have peace. Paul said, don't quench the spirit. God gave us that spirit. He's with us. I am with you. The angel of the Lord says, surely I am with you. Jesus tells his disciples, I am with you even to the end of the age. He sends a helper that bears witness that we can cry out, Abba, Father. He's with us. Paul says, don't quench the spirit. Don't you? And the spirit has unhindered flow within us. There's rivers of living water, right? And in rivers of living water, there's peace like a river. There really is. And so I think for us today, it's a matter of where am I not at peace about something? We may mask it and say, well, I'm just concerned. <laughs> well, you're not at peace if you're concerned. <laughs> so I just would encourage us. He's overcome the world. He bought you for a price. He called us to be his own. And in that place, when we believe him, there's peace. Amen.